0: Welcome back to Dose Makes the Poison, the Toxcast. I hope everyone is surviving as well as you can during these times. Stay strong, stay safe out there. And actually, I wasn't planning to do another episode until late June, early July for this podcast, but something came up in the news recently which I had to respond to. So I guess, welcome to episode 10 of Dose Makes the Poison, the Toxcast. I've not prepared at all for this one Uh, so I'm winging it and if you know me I don't like to wing these sort of things so if I do make any errors here please let me know I'm a planner by nature I don't wing a lot of things I don't like doing it this way but we live in an interesting world Uh, these days things are going on science is political it's always been so so with that there have been many major protests all over the United States and world over the last couple of weeks. Many of these protests are over the senseless killing of George Floyd, as well as protests over the treatment of black people and other people of color and since the inception of the United States and before the inception of the United States. So, number one, it's important to say this right out front. Black Lives Matter. But during these protests, there have been many, many violent outbursts. Some say looting, some say vandalism. I'm not here to discuss that as a people who have been oppressed for a long, long time. People have spoken out in the past many times. Those people will do what they need to do to be seen and to be heard and get their message across. What I am here to talk about for a few minutes is something very, very specific that came up on Sunday, June 7th, by our Attorney General, Bill Barr. He was being interviewed uh, on Face the Nation on CBS. And see, you got to set the stage here. Police departments and military have been using tear gas for riot and crowd control on violent and peaceful protesters. So the question was put to him, what is your I mean, what is your thoughts on using why have you been using tear gas and pepper spray on peaceful protesters and this is what he had to say and the methods they used you think were appropriate is that when what they you're met saying? resistance yes they announced three times they didn't move. By the way, there was no tear gas used. The tear gas was used Sunday when they had to the clear 8th Street to allow the fire department to come in to save St. John's Church. That's when tear gas was used. There it, were chemical irritants. The no, there were not chemical said. irritants. Pepper spray is not a chemical irritant. It's not chemical. Pepper spray. You're saying it's what Bulls. was used? Pepper balls. Right. And you believe that's appropriate? So Bill Barr is categorically. wrong right here. He is incorrect. Some would say he is lying to the American public. But that's me editorializing. I thought I needed to say something on the subject Uh, because tear gas or pepper spray are toxicologically relevant substances. They are things that are very, very important to what we do in toxicology. So what the heck is tear gas? Now tear gas is a general term. It's used to describe chemicals used as lacrimating agents. And when we say lacrimating or lacrimator, it's from the word from Latin lacrima, which means tear. Tear gas works by irritating those mucous membranes in the eyes, the nose, the mouth, the lungs. The the effects of These sort of agents on the body include crying, hence the name lacrimating agents, hence the name tear gas, sneezing, coughing, difficulty breathing, shortness of breath, difficulty in swallowing, drooling, eye pain, and temporary blindness. It can cause asthma attacks. It can cause swelling in the area of the exposure. It can lead to asphyxia. It can lead to death. So that is why these are toxicologically relevant substances and why this episode exists today. So remember that I said tear gas is a general term. Again, it's used to describe common substances that are used as riot or crowd control. So these include pepper spray, also known as OC gas. And we'll get back to this one pretty soon. Uh, Pava spray. It's also known as capsaicin-2 or pelagronic acid vanillamide. CS gas, also known as 2 chlorobenzal Cr gas, dibenzoxazepine, CN gas, phenacyl chloride, bromoacetone, xylobromide, and there is a branded mixture of what is considered to be tear gas. It's called mace. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's a mixture of different chemicals. Many of these substances have the word gas in their name, but they aren't actually gas. They typically are something like an aerosolized solid or a liquid. So the gas part of the name is a bit of a misnomer. So Bilbar said that pepper balls were used. And that's correct. They were used. But he was incorrect here. Pepper balls or pepper spray are most definitely covered by the general term tear gas. So when we're talking about specifically pepper spray, it's a form of tear gas. The active ingredient in pepper spray is capsaicin, which is the most prominent of the capsinoid group of chemicals derived from the genus Capsicum, which is most famously known as the chili peppers. And no, not the red hot chili peppers. <laughs> Think spicy peppers, think jalapenos, habaneros, scotch bonnets, the devilish ghost peppers and Trinidad Moruga scorpions and Carolina reapers. Those sort of peppers, the spicy peppers. Capsaicin itself is known as 8-methyl-N-vanilla-6-nonanamide. Its chemical formula is C18H27NO3 and it has a molecular mass of 305.4 grams per mole. Capsaicin itself was first extracted in 1816 by Christian Frederick Buchels, and he called it Capsican, after the genus Capsicum. Jean-Claude Thresh isolated it in an almost pure form and named it Capsaicin in 1876. A few years later, Carl Miko isolated it in its pure form in 1898, and then capsaicin was first synthesized in the lab by Ernst Spath and Stephen F. Darling in 1930. Capsaicin itself is soluble in things like ether, benzene, and alcohol. And basically this is how pepper spray is made. The chili pepper is finely ground, then placed in an organic solvent like ethanol, Alcohol, the solvent is evaporated, and then after evaporation, there's a there's this kind of resin that's remaining. It's kind of like a wax-like resin, and that is called oleoresin capsation or OC, which is why pepper spray is called OC gas, oleoresin capsation gas, and then that oleoresin. Capsation that OC is mixed with something like propylene glycol and water, and then it's pressurized, which then makes an aerosol pepper spray. Voila, you have your chemical irritant, you have your tear gas, you have your pepper spray that can be employed and used on a crowd of either rioting, violent protesters, or unfortunately, peaceful protesters as well. So, again, I'm going to reiterate this many times. Pepper spray or pepper balls, whatever you want to call them, are a form of tear gas. Pepper spray is a chemical irritant. Now, pepper spray can be dilute or it can be strong, kind of like a chili pepper. you got to think of it that way, which are rated, uh, their spiciness of chili peppers are rated on a scale called the Scoville heat index. So just think... You have the non-spicy bell peppers, cubanelle peppers. They're classified typically as having like a Scoville rating of 0 to 100 units. Something like a jalapeno pepper or a Tabasco pepper has somewhere in the area of 2,500 to 10,000 units of heat. Serrano's, 10,000 to 25,000. Uh, Thai dragon or bird's eye chilies, 50 to 100,000. Regular habaneros, 100,000 to 350,000 units. Chocolate habaneros, 350,000 to 750,000. You get into the really hot novelty spicy peppers. Ghost peppers, typically up to 1.5 million Scoville units. And then you get to the cream of the crop things like Trinidad and Moruga Scorpions and Carolina Reapers that are typically somewhere between 1.5 and 3 million Scoville Heat Units. Spoken. So anyone that has ever eaten an extremely spicy chili pepper or handled one knows the effects of capsaicin in this form. So especially if you if you've ever done this, and I've done this before, if you forgot to wash your hands extremely well before touching your face or any other part of your body. Capsaicin itself is an actually, it's it's an evolved defense mechanism for the pepper itself. It, it, it gets people hot. It burns. It gets in your eyes. It gets on your skin. It burns. Oh, oh it can burn. It is a terrible feeling. And I speak from experience, like I said, um, uh, as I grow chili peppers every year, I've grown ghosts and scorpions and reapers, chocolate habaneros, all, I mean, anything hot and extremely spicy that you could think of. I once made the mistake of not washing my hands well enough after cutting up a uh, Carolina reapers. And yeah, I paid for that one dearly. And there was that time that my father-in-law and I were grinding peppers in my kitchen and we were making various pepper powders to use. And well, let's just say that our ventilation was not sufficient that day and it became a coughing and nose running crying experience. It was not fun to say the least. Pure capsation itself has a Scoville rating, Scoville heat index rating of 16 million. So again, let's go back to some of those peppers jalapeno pepper somewhere between 2,500 to 10,000 whereas a habanero is somewhere around 100,000 to 300 to 350,000 or a ghost pepper up to 1.5 million Scoville units pure capsation is 16 million Scoville units so law enforcement grade pepper spray typically has Scoville heat indexes Anywhere from 500,000 units to about 5 million heat index units. But the actual strength that is used is, is highly dependent on the dilution that is used. So pepper sprays do vary widely according to their um, dilution. The strengths vary widely. Capsaicin affects the body via something called the TRPV receptor. It's also known as the transient receptor potential vanilloid. It's also known as simply as the vanilloid receptor one, or even more simpler as the capsaicin receptor. And the main function of, the, of this receptor is to detect and regulate body temperature. So think of it this way. When capsaicin binds to this receptor, cations or positively charged ions are permitted to pass through the cell membrane, which results in a depolarization and then stimulates a specific signal to the brain, which produces sensations similar to excessive heat or abrasive damage. So you get a sensation of scalding heat and pain, hence the spiciness, the heat, the pain that you get when you bite into an extremely hot chili pepper. When applied dermally, capsaicin has a half-life of one to two hours. When consumed orally, it has a half-life just a bit longer of about two to three hours. So you're probably thinking to yourself, okay, I can understand consuming capsaicin orally because of a chili pepper and foodstuff or something like that, but why would you apply it to your skin directly, willingly? Well, it turns out that capsaicin is actually used medicinally in the forms of creams, ointments, sprays, transdermal patches to treat muscle, joint, peripheral neuropathic pain. So it's used in that way as well. Uh, the TRPV1 receptor is also activated by temperature. Typically, temperatures greater than 109 degrees Fahrenheit and other compounds such as allele isothiocyanate. If you don't, if you've never heard of that chemical, I'm sure you've eaten foods that um, have that chemical in them because allele isothiocyanate is the compound that is found in mustard, is found in wasabi, is found in horseradish. So again, Think of like a really spicy horseradish laden shrimp cocktail sauce. It's so good, so spicy. It opens up those nasal passages. That's what it's doing to you. Anyways, back to pepper spray. It's, like I said before, it's used as a crowd control or riot control measure. And it's definitely effective. There's no doubt about that. Someone has uh, pepper spray or tear gas deployed on them and they will scatter it's that's the way it works bill Barr's claim that pepper spray isn't chemical is a whole other issue that i'm not going to address here other than invoking the great tim minchin's thoughts in his song the fence everything organic and natural is good ignoring the fact that organic natural substances include arsenic and poo and crocodiles and, you know, everything chemical is bad, ignoring the fact that everything is chemicals. Everything is chemicals! So again, pepper spray is a chemical irritant that contains capsaicin, which is a chemical. Chemicals are natural or synthetic. They can be naturally occurring, or they can be made in a lab by people somewhere in this world. So again, Bill Barr's obfuscation is just that it's a misdirection it's a lie don't believe it tear gases including pepper sprays are chemical irritants they are commonly used as riot control or crowd control agents but they have some very significant health effects i mean after all if they did not have those effects why would they be used Capsation in pepper spray can cause bronchoconstriction and respiratory arrest. There are deaths reported following the use of pepper sprays. There are many published studies out there about the use of pepper sprays and tear gases and their effects on people. So if you are out there protesting injustice, as a scientist, I recommend having some sort of safety goggles available to you. Also, something like a painter's mask or a dusk mask is helpful. It's not going to save you completely, but it will help. If you do get pepper spray on you, get yourself to safety, and then immediately flush the area with water or saline solution, something like that. If you can, wash your entire face or the affected area with a a non-oil-based soap. Place an ice pack after it's been wrapped in a towel place it over your face or over the area to kind of cool down that burning sensation. That'll help. Uh, do not use any sort of greasy or oily ointments or salves or anything like that that can, because those can trap capsaicin milk can help. It's a favorite thing of people do that. Do you see, uh, at chili pepper contests and, uh, eating hot things. People will drink milk. People will eat ice cream, those sort of things. Um, I it's a really favorite thing it's always an option I'm not sure how sanitary it is to dump milk into your eyes or anything like that but I have seen people do it so it is a good option I've also seen people making solutions of baking soda or antacid such as Malox, which some folks say is helpful in neutralizing both pepper spray and other types of tear gas So that again, that's an option. Ultimately though, please be safe out there, be prepared and stay vigilant. I think I'll end this special episode right here. If you want to get a hold of me, email the show at dosemakesthepoisonpodcast at gmail.com. Find the show on Twitter at at toxcast. If you're on Facebook, look up the Dose Makes the Poison podcast page, give it a like. If you can. Give the show a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave a review. It helps me out with exposure. Let's me know if I'm doing a a good, decent job. Or maybe I'm doing a horrible job. Let let me know. And I want to thank you listeners out there. I posted about this on social media the other day. But I was looking at the audience demographics. And 56% of the show's audience is from the USA. 44% of the audience is from outside the USA. And this show has reached so many countries across the world. So for that, I'm, I'm astonished and I'm thankful. So thank you again. I love all of you for listening. Uh, and with that, I would just like to say again, pepper sprays, tear gases. Pepper spray is tear gas. Tear gas is a general term. They are all chemical irritants that have toxicologically relevant effects on the human body. Stay safe and never practice toxicology in a vacuum.